The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garam Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today, we are catching up with Adelaide-based Duncan Chessel. Duncan is Managing Director of ASX-listed Explorer Resolution Minerals. It goes by the ASX code of RML, or Romeo Mike Lima, if you prefer. Only listed in 2017, Resolution is trading at 4.8 cents for a market cap of about 4 million. So there's plenty of leverage there to some exploration success. Originally floated as a battery metals explorer under the name of Northern Cobalt, the company's name change was a response to a swing in focus to high-grade gold in Alaska via the October 2019 deal to earn an 80% interest in the 64 North gold property. 64 North is about 120 kilometers east of Fairbanks, but more importantly, it surrounds the Pogo gold mine of the go-getting Northern Star, which is now being is re-establishing Pogo as a tier one operation with annual output of 300,000 ounces of high-grade gold. More on that later. With that, I'll say good day to Duncan and welcome him to the podcast. Hi, Duncan, and thanks for your time today. Yeah, good day, Barry. Thanks for uh, dialing me in. Now, I'm going to start off a bit differently today and ask Duncan if he could name for us the seven summits on the seven continents. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> an interesting start. Yes, of course. Um, something I'm fairly familiar with. The, of course, here we have Kosciuszko um, in Australia. We've got Mount Everest in Asia. We have Kilimanjaro. Um, in Europe, you've got sort of, you know, you've got the Mont Blanc. Some people might think of it as that, but it's actually Elbrus in Russia, in southern Russia. And then in North America, you have uh, Mount McKinley or Denali. And then over in South America. Have you got a, do you know what that one is, Barry? In South America? Yeah. Can you no, that one? no idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> we'll leave it for uh, others to have a, have a look at. Well, that was a good effort. And uh, folks, that's uh, obviously a reference by me to, for those who don't know, Duncan is both a geologist and a uh, well-known and well-credentialed mountaineer. So I thought we might actually just start off with the dual focus of your career so far. Can you tell us a bit about how you started out in geology and then was there a break into mountaineering and you've come back to geology or how's that worked? Yeah, so originally after uh, I finished geology at, in Adelaide, was started off in oil and gas. I had a little bit of a dabble earlier on in that than in mineral sands. Um, oil and gas for uh, the first part of my career, really just as a uh, mudlogging, well-settled geologist, you know, sort of earning my stripes in that industry. Then um, got a little bit sidetracked into the mountaineering world and had been involved in that for about a decade or a little bit longer than that and ran my own company for from about 2000 to 2010 and we took people on to the guiding people on the seven summits the highest peak on each of the seven continents and did a number of uh, expeditions to antarctica through that time doing some world firsts the first ever see the summit of the highest peak in antarctica mount vincent and of course akinkaga in south america that we um we're, trying to look at earlier um, <laughs> and then so, but I guess all the way through that you know building a little bit of uh, ended up having a, 
running business to about 100 people working in Papua New Guinea for me, uh, running tracks all over the country there. Had a business in, in Nepal, about 12 guys working out of New Zealand for us, internationally guiding a lot of the peaks and uh, tracks, and then a, and a head office in, in Australia for our sales and operations. So it ended up being a fairly busy business. And after about 10 years in that, I guess I'd successfully ran uh, some fairly big expeditions on Mount Everest and then felt like mm. I wanted a bit of a change. And uh, some people uh, in in Adelaide I knew uh, wanted me to come in and look at um, running a, an exploration company for them. And so I sort of got back into the mineral exploration industry in that way uh, with some fairly grassroots programs in South Australia and then working and doing some contracts for other companies around Australia and eventually working with a number of other fellows. We did some Greenfields um, project generation with the Coolabar Group, putting a number of those uh, projects into uh, listed companies and eventually listing one of them ourselves uh, into Northern Cobalt a couple of years ago as we uh, in 2017. So on the, uh, the mountaineering side of things, what, was it a case of the no more mountains left to climb for you or uh, it's well, not to... that you got bored with the uh, climbing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, you know, as someone who always likes the next challenge and, um, you know, it's exploration industry or expeditions, um, climbing the next mountain, the next project, finding the next, you know, making the next discovery and, you know, chasing that down. It, it's sort of a fairly similar personality trait. So you've got to be very persistent. You have to have a lot of endurance to kind of get through the hard times, uh, both in mountaineering and in the mineral exploration industry. And it's something you've just got to keep, you got to keep sort of going on. Persistence eventually pays off in, in both industries, I think. Uh, and that's certainly with mountaineering, um, I suppose, in in reality, I, I lost quite a lot of good friends um, to mm. being killed on the job, and after a period of time, it sort of that wears a bit thin. And I realised mm. that if I kept kept on with what I was doing, then you know that was a reasonably likely outcome. So I made the choice to sort of put that aside uh, and focus my attention more on the mineral exploration, and I've been you know, really enjoying that over the last ten years. And having some mm -hmm. some quite good uh, successes with some gold discoveries and doing some working up some projects and then listing them into um, moving them into listed entities. Mm. Now, if you, you to use mountaineering as an, an analogy, where are we with resolution minerals? Are we at uh, base camp? We are starting to climb the, the escarpment, or well, I think I think the mountaineering analogy is you know you've we're certainly not about to the the sort of the potential scale of of the project that we're that we're commencing our earning on is considerable. We're next we're next to a world class high grade operating gold mine in the Pogo mine that Northern Star owns. We haven't turned up to a small mountain. Uh, potentially, we're we're tackling one of the the, the Himalayan peaks here. Um, the size of of um, potential uh, resource that we're chasing is is in the in the multi million ounces that we're looking to. Um, you know, as, as an aspirational target. So we're in the right neighbourhood. We're not sort of tackling a molehill here. So that's that's a very encouraging for, for shareholders, I think, that, and as you said in the introduction, the leverage we have here with a, a very small market cap of around the four or five million at the moment, you know, with a drill-ready program next to the Pogo Gold Mine where, you know, that must have a, a book value of, a you know, a couple of billion dollars on the market cap of Northern, Northern Star. Um yeah, I think is a really a really good opportunity for shareholders to get involved. Mm. 
Uh, I guess some people would think that um, Alaska and the location of the project is a difficult part of the world to work in. Obviously, no challenge for a guy with a mountaineering background. But uh, I understand that uh, access uh, is all weather because of the Pogo mine there. Yeah, we're very fortunate that Northern Star maintain a all-weather access road for 365 days of the year. It is closed occasionally for a few hours as they, if there's a snowdrift. Uh, but the the area that we're in is not a, a huge amount of snowfall each year. Obviously, dark and cold for a, you know through the winter months, which usually limits exploration programs because of the um, they use a lot of helicopters, whereas we're able to use uh, vehicles. And we've pushed a road into our first drill targets and the Aurora targets. So certainly that program will, you know, we can kick that off in, you know, in the matter of the next few weeks or so. The winter won't bother us with that. So certainly, you know, when I first, someone mentioned, oh, you might want to have a look at this project. It's in Alaska. I went, oh, not really too sure about that. It can be you know, quite dangerous for a junior to get involved in Alaska. But the given the access um, with the mine road, power lines along the mine road, it's certainly a fantastic opportunity for us. It's a it's a, a brownfields project with all wet, all year round access. Mm. Now the company's entry into the project is via earning deal with a uh, Canadian company, Millrock. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, given the progress that Northern Star has been making at Pogo, how was it the company was able to snare this deal? Given I would have thought there was a lot of interest in the surrounding land package. Yeah, it's important to understand that Millrock Resources, which is a uh, listed TSXV company, uh, really has its headquarters in Anchorage and has been, you know, really been driven out of Anchorage for the last 15 years. So they have really got a very, you know, good idea of every project in Alaska and what's going on on the ground level. They picked up the ground immediately along strike from the Pogo Gold Mine around about five years ago or secured option arrangements with some of the local prospectors that had held the ground for over 20 years. It was very tightly held in the most prospective prospects. And they sort of pulled that all together, grabbed a lot of the old information from all of the previous explorers and built a huge data set, which has been very important for um, targeting, which Northern Star and Pogo certainly didn't have access to because everyone holds their exploration information quite tightly. You don't have to give it to the government. So they got the best bit of ground five years ago uh, Northern Star did the deal in, I think it was August 2018, so just a bit over a year ago. Um, they didn't have a look in on the best ground because of that. And Sumitomo, um, who was the seller, sort of probably really just had their hands full with what they had at Pogo. So that, that's how we, we got it. The other important part of this is that Millrock is, they don't tend to raise capital uh, to do the exploration so much themselves. They'll do the early stage, so some geophysics, uh, maybe a bit of mapping, acquisition, packaging the deal together and they're a project generator group and their business right. model is to bring in a joint venture partner such as um, Resolution Minerals and and we raise the capital and do the exploration and earn a percentage interest in the project and they retain a, a royalty or a you know free carried interest or whatever the deal happens to be. That's their business model. So a couple of different things conspiring there to give us this opportunity and when I went out there to look at the project and with uh, their uh, chief geologist Chris and we, we, you know, we walked along the claim boundary, and there's you know three Northern Star drill rigs within a, a few hundred meters of the claim boundary, drilling away. And I said, "How long have they been there?" He said, "Oh, they've been there for you know about 14 months continuously, drilling off those pads on the Good Pass to Discovery." Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking at the rocks on our side of the boundary and going, well, "We're in the same 
we're in completely the same geological environment here. There's rock chips of half ounce on our side of the claim boundary. There's all the same structures, same rocks. Everything is, I'm saying, how on earth hasn't someone else realized what the opportunity is here? And so that's when I could sort of look at that and you go, well, we, we really need to see if we can secure this project. So we we're unfortunately able to in our negotiations in the subsequent weeks. Mm. You mentioned uh, Northern Star's good pastor gold discovery and 64 North itself was formerly called Gold Pastures, yeah, just highlighting the proximity of the uh, ground there. But 64 North, what's uh, that's a reference to? Oh, the northern latitude, so it's 64 degrees north uh, latitude. Of course, you can tell I was never a Boy Scout. Now, so what's the forward plan now? The, uh, you've recently uh, completed the ac- acquisition or you've done some due diligence and that's all been cleared, so it's a uh, plan now is to uh, get on the ground? Yeah, that's right, Barry. We've got... Um, uh, we've been planning the uh, drill holes and the drill program. Uh, we've just received uh, in the last few days most of the drill contractor bids uh, and the tender process there. We're just choosing our uh, drill contractor now in the next week or so uh, and then making final preparations to get out and, and start drilling. We have all the drilling permissions in place. Uh, the road that we pushed in uh, last late last year to uh, our uh, starting of our drill program Water well has been drilled successfully, which will supply the water we require for our diamond drilling program. And the area has been sort of formed that we can uh, put our temporary camp in. So uh, caravans and just a very lightweight camp there for that that campaign, that first um, campaign for about a month's worth of drilling. Um, Mm -hmm. The other part of that has just been processing the historic information and reprocessing, in one case, sort of seven or eight different data sets that hadn't been put together before. So using the air mag data plus some ground mag data to sort of really understand you know where some of the structures are and uh, trying to sort of help with uh, the drill targeting and also mill rock before we came on board they completed a, a csamt survey which is a type of geophysical survey which sort of helps to map out the deeper units of rock at depth and we were able to sort of ascertain from that that we believe the the same rock formations that host are hosting similar to the good pasta discovery uh, that northern stars made and made some significant um, multi-ounce uh, intercepts in looks like mm-hmm. it comes across into our ground um, it's never been drilled on our side of the fence but all the indications are there so we've been just taking a bit of time to get through all of the data the other aspect of uh, working in alaska is the claims um, the claims are quite small so just to go through, there's a bit over 1,100 uh, exploration licenses, if you like, of all you know 40 and 160 acres. Um, mm-hmm. So we just needed a little bit of a month or so just to go through all the paperwork, just to check that it all matched up and that sort of thing. So, um, but we finished all of our due diligence last year, and very happy with the drill targeting now. Um, just to, we've got a technical committee meeting with um, Millrock in the next few days to just sort of tidy up on the drill program, and we'll be uh, ready to get out there and. Uh, in the field in um, and drill some holes sort of probably late February that sort of time frame is when we'll mobilize out into the field. Sounds like you have a lot of uh, a massive data there from remote sensing work I was just wondering has there been much uh, drilling on any of the claims in the past? There hasn't been a lot of a, a lot of drilling on the West Pogo prospect it's it was held by uh, some prospectors who couldn't afford to do the drilling they you know got a, a fair bit of you know, did a lot of rock chipping and soils which was 
very encouraging. Um, there was one one place where the, you know, the different. One I should explain is that the the Pogo style mineralization is is sort of relatively flat or shallow dipping, sort of twenty to thirty meter wide quartz hosted mineralized zones. So big sheets mm. of of quartz with with gold in it. Um, and the good parts of discovery is a good example. It's you know two and a half kilometers long, uh, over a kilometer wide, and you know the intercepts are you know anywhere from you know a couple of meters of very high grade like multi ounce to you know up to twenty meters wide is the stip- typical pogo style mineralization in the in the mine. So that's what we're aiming for. And what the um, a previous couple of drill holes further to the west, but still on our claims, did is they they target one of these vertical. Uh, structures, these faults that had gone through, and it was hosting a bit of mineralization and you know, half ounce rock chips. And they sort of drilled on an angled hole just to see what happened at depth. And they got, they, they did get some good, some good numbers over very shallow um, intervals and up to uh, 11 ounces, in fact, on the ER target. So mm. that's 360 odd grams, mm. but over only, only over about 10 centimeters. So what they didn't do was then drill more vertical holes to test for these horizontal flat-lying sheets at the time. So it wasn't fully yeah. understood what they were trying to target. And we're, we're seeing that now. That's what's at POGO. That's what our target is, is to go in and drill those sort of vertical or you know, close to vertical holes. And hopefully we can hit these stacked sheets sort of gold yeah. systems. Can I ask what's the uh, relationship with Northern Star? Are they welcoming another Aussie into the uh, into their backyard, as it were? Yeah, look, we've had uh, good conversations at, at all levels there, from their exploration and uh, mine manager, uh, general manager in in Fairbanks, through that to their shared road use agreement that we've got in place with them now because they manage the road and we've um, got an agreement in place that gives us guarantees access for us on the road through to some of the management in in Perth. Um, actually went through university with their general manager exploration uh, many eons ago. And so, you know, they're very, you know, logistically like, yep, if we can share and help out, then, you know, no problems. Let's, let's see what we can do to help each other. And that's, I think, something that most obviously exploration companies tend to, tend to do. Mm. Um, you know, certainly uh, the exploration teams get along well. Yeah, that's good to hear. Uh, just to uh, recap, uh, drilling possible in February, did you say? Yeah, we'd, we're probably looking to, like right now, probably looking to mobilise the, the guys out into the field towards end of February, um, which will give us a, a start of drilling last week of February, maybe the first first week or so of, of March would be our aim at this point. And we just, as I said, we've got all the, te- the drill tenders uh, are in now. We're just reviewing uh, who we will select. But the, the, the I guess the the, the access uh, out there is as it is in place. But we what we want to do is we just want to be making sure that we've got all of our planning and logistics in that cold environment, you know, really squared away for our first program. Uh, and we don't want to have any, mm. any mistakes. And when we say cold, how cold does it get there? Uh, so in January, they will have a few days down to minus 40. By February, mm. you probably won't see anything less than about minus 20, minus 25. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of February, it's really starting to to, to warm up and it's you know, it'd be minus, minus 10, minus 15 in, in, into March and then summertime. But also the daylight hours start to extend as well. Once you get towards mid-February, it starts to become a lot more manageable for everyone to exist out there. Um, I should point out that Northern Star actually drilled all year round 
right next door to where we're planning to drill. So they just kept going all the way through winter. And certainly once we've got our camp established and we get going for the year, if we've got, um, if we want to continue through next winter, then there's no reason why we can't just push all the way through December, January, February next year. Okay, Duncan. So can you tell us a bit about the forward program in terms of uh, planned metres uh, drill, uh, drill to be drilled and uh, will, will the program be uh, essentially going throughout the year? Yeah, Barry, the, the plan is to start off with a 2,000 metre diamond core program on the Aurora targets and they are right on the on the boundary of the, and very close to the good pasture discovery that Northern Stars announced. And that will target the the well, really our highest priority targets that we've already got our road to. So we've got a road right to site. We've got a water bore drilled that we can use to, to uh, provide water for the diamond drill program. First 2,000 metres, we'll then, we'll then take a little step back, get some assays, and then sort of go back and then do another 2,000 metres slightly further north along that same boundary. And then we have another further 2,000 metre program up on the Echo targets to the north there, which is almost directly along strike to the northwest of the Pogo mine. Again, targeting the same style of mineralisation uh, as Pogo. So sort of there's sort of three Pogo lookalike targets, uh, any one of which uh, has you know, a very high uh, possibility of, of producing some pretty significant results. Okay, there we are, folks. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this upcoming drilling program will be one of the most watched in the junior space, remembering that uh, it is hard up against the uh, good past the discovery of Northern Star and Northern Star itself reports at the end of the month and everyone's expecting more results from their good pastor property. So Duncan, I'll take time now to say thanks for your time today and good luck with it. Thank you very much, Barry. And uh, yes, let's see what the geology gods give us. Good on you. Thanks for your time. Cheers.